We're doing a special episode out of Los Angeles, California today on the La U Times podcast. Got Dennis in the house who uh, traveled with me from Dallas, Fort Worth area. I can never say that correctly. Fort Worth. That's my ESL speaking, guys. I'm so sorry. Uh, I'm an immigrant to this country, but... Uh, I mean, we both are. It's we, fine. Yeah, but I can never get my English correct. But uh, nonetheless, welcome to the pod. Uh, I'm excited to talk about Tigres today. It was a wonderful experience yesterday. We did have a wonderful experience uh, yesterday. From the moment that we arrived, each of us had our own experience, and uh, it was a pretty cool time. So uh, let's get into the action, Dennis. How you doing today, by the way? I'm starting to feel it after all the walking we did. I don't know about you, but that's just me. How many miles would you say we walked over the last two days? Uh, I don't know. I can't remember how much we did yesterday. We definitely walked like five today. Four or five. Yeah, yesterday was probably around like six for me. Yeah, just because you got here before me. Yeah, I was walking around Long Beach for a long time before Dennis arrived, so... Uh, Nonetheless, it was a really cool experience. Um, let's talk about arriving to the game, man. Talk about the experience we had at uh, getting to this game. So we're staying in this area called Hawthorne in uh, just south of LAX Airport. And it's probably, in distance-wise, what would you say? It's about a 15-mile trek to the yeah, stadium. Yeah, 10 to 15. North, north uh, east. So my boy Dennis here is a big advocate of uh, using the public transportation system. Hey, man. Uh, care about your planet. You know what I mean? And <laughs> that's, that, that's, uh, that's the response there, not the, uh, the $1.50 that we uh, pay. I mean, that has a the big thing with it, too, but only in the daylight. <laughs> my man. Anyway, so tell them about the experience we had on the way there and uh, or how we planned to get in there as far as we, how we got to BMO Stadium. It was it was fine, you know, like the way that you get from where we were to the stadium was you get on a train and then it transfers you to a bus. And it was fine. I was like, you know, I, I've drive or I don't drive trains, but like I, I've been on trains enough like in DFW because we have a system. We actually have two systems. Um, that are pretty big now. So, like, I go to Mavs and Stars games and other things, like, with that. And so the train is not a foreign concept. It's just trains in a big city, you know? It's, like, different, at least in, like, a more, like, crammed area like L.A. is because, like, Dallas is at least a little bit more spaced out than L.A. is. Um, I was fine. I, I I thought it was okay, you know, knowing that we were not going to take it back because you can just tell vibes-wise that, mm, we probably shouldn't take it back at night, but during the day, I thought it was fine. We got approached immediately because of our jerseys um, by this gentleman that was coming from the dentist, and <laughs> it was pretty interesting because he was sharing, you know, he had a big tall boy in his hand, and he he, he said it was his first one, but it's, it sounded like he was on his second or third tall boy, and he was telling us about how he was going to the dentist and how he wanted to change his wisdom teeth surgery from... This Friday because he was <laughs> he was trying to have a party for the Canelo fight so he can drink and so we, we it was it was that vibes. was pretty funny it yeah. was vibes to yeah. begin the ride up to uh, BMO Stadium but nonetheless we made it to the stadium um, luckily we found some guy that was on the way to the stadium as well he spotted us and was leading us 
as far as uh, our first experience in the public transportation system in L.A. I'd been to L.A. several times, but Dennis made me experience L.A. Uh, in a different way. Um, and by that, I mean getting around by foot and public transportation everywhere. But um, anyways, we got to the stadium. stadium is beautiful, man. Gorgeous. Honestly, best MLS stadium that I've been to. And I've been to like four or five. Yeah, four or five. USC campus right next door to it. Yeah, if you didn't know, listener, the LAFC stadium is literally right next to LA Coliseum, like the Memorial Coliseum where the Olympics have been and all that. And it's like on USC's campus essentially. So that's pretty cool. Um, It's really like nice on the outside. Like they did a nice job on the exterior and then interior wise like you go in and it's like everything's covered really well it's a lot like the austin one but like the one in austin is like there's a lot more like open air vibe to it where this is a little bit more enclosed yeah and right you know when we got there there's a lot of lafc fans we got booed immediately i don't know how we always do this but we always get gather a lot of attention so we got booed as we were walking uh, making our entrance near the stadium and uh, as we were doing that we got pulled over to get interviewed by somebody who was running a LAFC uh, channel. We didn't get his information. So yeah, we should have. We, we're going to have to do a little bit of research to yeah. find his uh, YouTube channels and uh, TikTok and Instagram. The guy asked us all the questions in Spanish, but then decided to throw curveballs at us and ask questions in English. So I was a little confused as to what <laughs> like language I should, have. Yeah, yeah. What I should do. But anyways, I did my best to answer the questions. Uh, we didn't have a lot of fans outside. We got there around like 6.30 LA time for an 8 o'clock kickoff. Um, you know, we a lot more people showed up near game time, and so we had plenty of presence there. I thought probably about, what, would you just say 3,000 people? Yeah, maybe four. Yeah. I mean, looking at after the game, like the post-game celebrations, vibes, like all of that, like there was a lot more than I thought they were going to be there. Yeah, when we first arrived, I could probably say there was about 100 people that were Tigres fans outside of the stadium. So fashionably late. Um, and uh, once we got into the stadium, it was, again, like we said, your best stadium experience. I think it was my best stadium experience. And we got to our seats and we quickly realized that we were in an area where majority of Tigres fans were going to be in. And so that was pretty cool. And that's when I spotted Anika Rodriguez. And guys, you know, um, for those that are in our community uh, thread on Twitter for English Tigres fans, um, Lou from uh, the guy that runs the Tigres English account asked me how hard it was to get that photo with Anika Rodriguez. And it was not. <laughs> It was very simple, actually. No one really recognized her. Like, I was, I spotted her first, and so I went up to her and I asked her a question about, you know, getting a picture or if I could take a picture with her. And then maybe a couple or two went after that, but she was on her way to make it to the halftime, not halftime, I'm sorry, um, down to the field where she was going to meet with other, you know, Theater staff members to create a, the video that she created for the Theater's English account on Instagram and Twitter. And um, she obviously made it back to her seat where she was with her family. And then on the same aisle, Marcelo Flores' dad was also there. Um, so that was pretty cool to see. And I think Fierro had some family down there, too. Yeah, we saw he, a guy with, like, a old Fierro jersey, like his 201. 201. Exactly. So we think he had some, I don't know, at least some relative people there. Yeah, for sure. That was pretty cool to see as well. 
Um, once we once we got a kickoff, we talked about the lineups a little bit. And what do you think about the lineup? I mean, we went pretty solid eleven. We, yeah, we did the same thing we did on Saturday against Rayado. So no, like no surprise. I guess the one surprise is like Quinones like actually played, considering he was a little bit of an injury doubt going into into the game because he got in late. But once we saw the eleven, I was like, that's not surprising. LAFC's eleven. That's not surprising. It was full strength from both teams. And we started the game really well. Um, kind of similar uh, concept. That's how we approached the Rayados game with a backline of three. But then it transitioned to more of a backline of four with obviously Angulo, Reyes, Pizarro, and Aquino as, as, as the back four. Uh, and that's kind of where Tigres almost gave possession of the the game and allowed LAFC to get more comfortable and they also started pressing up higher than the first 20, 25 minutes where Tigres was possessing the ball. We didn't have a lot of clear chances besides the Quiñones shot when we were uh, possessing, but we we were able to steal the ball on their half plenty of times to where we looked dangerous, um, and we looked like the better team, at least in those first 25 minutes. After that, Tigres kind of like dropped the uh, foot off the pedal in terms of like creating possession and attacking, but uh, it allowed... LAFC to create, you know, opportunities and, you know, some danger on our half. And, you know, I talked to, you know, with Dennis as to what, you know, the most dangerous LAFC could be. And it was on the run on, you know, having pace on, on the, the wings. Ball. Yeah. And, you know, luckily, you know, lucky we didn't, that goal was not allowed, but that's how the goal came on pace. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Bawanga killed us on, on the left and then Oliveira was great except for, you know everything else besides his pace <laughs> like you know like he cannot like he's just technically not there I think he's a little bit of a younger guy if I remember correctly but he he should have done a lot better he's 21 years old I'm looking up now he's from Uruguay um played on the right wing last night and he lot got by pace. yeah a lot, lot of pace. pace like got by our guys like pretty easily a couple of times and had one goal or one opportunity for a goal that looked like pretty clear cut and he just so badly missed it. Like didn't really even get it on target and then had a couple other chances that weren't, you know, as dangerous, but he just didn't like have the technical ability to like do well to finish those. So that helped us out a little bit because Aquino definitely got juked out by him a couple times. Yeah, but Aquino also had some great uh, defensive uh, moments there as yeah. well. And, you know, you and I talked about it once we got back to the hotel room, this hotel room that you, if you're seeing the video that we're going to release this time around, uh, we got some aesthetic uh, things back there with the two hats. <laughs> this, is, this is all we can do in, in this hotel room. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, we, we were sitting here yesterday, last night, talking about the... Uh, the game and reflecting a little bit more and we talked about you know i came across a picture of chuy garza and you know just talking about how the, he doesn't get playing time but that made me like compliment aquino's because watching aquino up close especially you know in a stadium where the field's so close and our seats were great and we were able to see him like get back on yeah, defense we were like five rows away from the field which was great we had a great deal on those tickets. And the anticipation that he also has, like, in the air. Like, he gets high in the air when he needs to. And he had he cleared a lot of balls. So, you know, shout out to Aquino who continues to uh, demonstrate, even though he gets criticism at times when, he you know, people go by him. But 
I mean, the guy's going to have bad games. And, like, you know, we talked about Aquino when he first arrived last night, 2015. You know, he left to Europe at 23, comes back at 26. You know, his whole, you know, upcoming, he's been a right winger, gets to Tigres and starts at the left winger position with Damian backing him up and then switching him over to the right side once, you know, Damian needs to be the super sub to a left back, a right back, a right winger, a left winger at times. And now he's a true right back. And he continues again to demonstrate that he's just a very important piece to what Tigres does on the field. Yeah. Yeah, he's been very, like, impressive in, as far as his, like, evolution goes. Like, he has become so adaptable and so uh, versatile, which is, like, that's what a lot of football is nowadays. You have to be able to do certain things or more than just one thing, per se, unless you're a goalie or even, like, I think center backs, you know, are, like, there's not many guys who can be a center back and something else or do other things but be a center back I think that's in its own like separate thing but for him to be able to do anything really like on on both the left and the right side is is pretty cool um and kudos to him for being willing to stick around because I'm sure he could have moved and gone somewhere else at some point um to pursue something else but he chose to stay here as long as he has to be a part of the success that we've had the last eight years. And that's a testament to him for wanting to stick around and wanting to, you know, be adaptable and be versatile. So, Absolutely. Anybody else that stood out to you last night in the first half or leading into the second, qu- uh, second quarter, second half? Uh, Carioca, again, was really great last night. Um, I thought he really did a good job of, like, you know, the things that he always does, slowing the game down, picking it up. It wasn't as good as it was on Saturday against Rayados. He did um, have a couple of bad passes here and there, but I kept telling you, I think it was, it was the feel. It was too wet. Yeah, like you talked about. Yeah, uh, Nahuel was great the whole game. Like he he had a couple of decent saves in the first half, and then really excelled second half, and obviously in the penalty shootout. Um, and I thought Angulo was was pretty decent as well. Um, everybody else was kind of mm. Sebastian was decent like ish and poor Gignac had to like you know come get the ball I was gonna ask you what do you make of that you know the the fact that Gignac had to drop so much you know or you know go out wide in order to receive the ball like what what was going on there with Tigres that we weren't able to break through um LAFC's defense I think they did a good job and credit to Chirondolo for setting them up in a low block um man you were hating on that guy yeah i mean before this game yeah i mean he also like could have done so many other things too that could have actually won in the game and then he also made excuses after the game so not great but i think he did start the game well as far as like keeping everybody sort of compact um especially in the midfield um with sanchez and with uh with kellen acosta specifically like kind of having them you know stay a little tucked in uh and, and back a little bit before letting them like kind of pick up the pace later on. So I think that threw us off a little bit or not threw us off. It was just like difficult to break. And then once they started pressing like later on, like it, that, I think that actually kind of threw us for a loop, you know, cause I, I didn't think we were, it seemed like we weren't expecting that like as a, as the game went on, but that's what happened. So. 
And then also something to be taken into consideration is the referee. He was very inconsistent for both sides. Oh my gosh, he was horrible. Horrible. You know, plays that, you know, should have been marked fouls, you know, for them and then for us, you know, weren't called. And then he would call like a, a dumb foul or, you know, yellows that he threw out yesterday were pretty wild as well. So I think that the referee, you know, not, you know, major influence, but influence, but he still had some influence and how the game was able to play play out. It just like the the way that he called the game like there wasn't ever like a true flow to it. Like it became to stop start and then also not enough stop start because he wasn't calling certain things that should have been called. Um and he had like no like grasp as far as like, you know, controlling, you know, emotions and all that like i i just think he did a horrible job managing the game and trying to make things about him and his crew as opposed to like letting the players decide how things happen because i really think he had too much of an influence on the game which like you can't do that especially in like a cup final or a cup game like this so right um moving forward guys um dennis what did you think about the substitutions that Siboldi made. Too late, but they were the right ones. Like, Marcelo came in and was fantastic. I thought he provided something different on the ball that nobody else really had, like, at all that game, even, like, more so than Sebastian, because I think Sebastian was the most dangerous of anybody on the ball up until Marcelo came in, and then Marcelo, like, blew him out of the water, I think, on that front. Um, And then I thought Vigon just very quietly like did the 30 work um, and just kind of filled in um, the same way that, you know, Nando was doing in the first half, even though I thought Nando kind of had another dud of a game. Yeah. Um, had a, a decent first half and then faded. I thought, like I said, it was the right subs, but it just took forever to get to that point. I think like 10 to almost 15 minutes went by. After the red card. After the red card. And I think that the subs needed to happen immediately after the red card. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I agree with you. I think the subs were the right moves as far as bringing, you know, Cello and uh, Vigon. And I'm with you, man. I think, you know, I wasn't super, you know, high on Marcelo Flores. But I think watching him yesterday and, you know, the willingness, the courage to take on players and, like, ask for the ball. And you can t- you saw, like, the... The demand that he was, you know, he wanted the ball being played to him. Uh, the players even, like, vibe and energy when they were on the field. They were shifting towards him to give him the ball on the left flank. Um, so I think that he could be even more important moving forward and more so in the immediate future than we thought. Yeah, I just felt like he brought good energy. And the game needed that, especially, like, to go in our favor because it felt like it didn't happen with the red card. Like, things kind of got worse for us. Like we started playing a little bit worse because they were able to just kind of play more direct and more counterattack. And we didn't make good advantage of the possession that we should have had. And he was able to kind of counter that and swing it back a little bit towards our favor in the, in the ending minutes of the game. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, Carioca also gets the reds, which, you know, shifts the, the game Correct more balance. Uh, you know, he slipped and he lost the ball and, there was nothing much. He had, he had to do it. He had to do it. Or else Bongo was definitely going to beat Noho that time. Yeah. 1,000%. One-on-one. Um, 
But uh, obviously, you know, we're down 10, each, 10 men each, and game's dwindling down. It seems like, you know, Tigres is pushing. There's chaos in the in the box at the end where Gignac misses. Oh, how did he miss that? I still don't understand. Way outside. It was just a very chaotic oh, play. Yeah. You know, from the started on the left side of the cross, Ivania saving it, bringing it back in, Marcelo, Gignac, Gignac. Which find- he did save it, by the way. I looked at the replay, and I was like, it may have been out. No, it definitely was on the line. Yeah. And so Gignac misses, we go into PKs, and that's where everything gets wild. Everybody ran to the restrooms. Nobody wanted to miss this thing. Well, there was, like, the, the fight in the sideline between, right. like, Siboldi and somebody on LAFC's bench, and then Cripo and Nahuel, and then they did the sub of uh, Cripo for McCarthy, which ended up being, you know, not great. Uh, yeah, just a lot of extracurriculars, as, uh, as we come to expect sometimes with, with our team. Yeah, especially in uh, big big games. Yeah. Um, so we go on to the PK shootout, and um, we see the players, and we're trying to guess who's going to shoot. We obviously knew Gignac was going to shoot, Nico Ibanez. Um we, we got ta- those two right. We didn't get the we, rest of them. We talked about Angulo. We, we did say Angulo. Oh, we did? Okay. Yeah, because we, he shot at the... Vancouver series. That's right, yeah. And he he got the winner of that one too, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Actually, I think we got all right, bro. I'd said Guido Pizarro because um, Guido, even though in other shootouts he hasn't shot, based on who was on the field, he shot on the PK shootout versus uh, America in 2016. So he's oh, capable yeah. of shooting the PK, and he shot in some other instances. I think he shot in the Campeón de Campeones um, against America in 2018, 2019. I can't remember the date. 2019, I'm sorry, after the Leon uh, final. He missed that time because that was the one that Nahuel also decided to shoot uh, a PK. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So based on, you know, I knew that Samir wasn't going to shoot. I knew Vigon wasn't going to shoot. Even though Vigon scores goals, like, I don't see him as a yeah, as a guy who could same. shoot a PK. Uh, Reyes wasn't going to shoot. Um, yeah, so after that, it would have been, like, Marcelo, maybe? Marcelo, that's what we were thinking. Maybe the fifth one could have been Marcelo. But that would have been cool to know who was going to be that shooter. But unfortunately, we didn't have to get there because our boy Nahuel did his thing, um, you know, and it was pretty funny. Uh, I'm not sure if they showed it on TV, but everybody's ready to take the PKs and goalies already, you know, the goalie that they subbed in, a uh, PK specialist is already on his side of the, of the, his position in order to start the PKs and Nahuel's chilling on the bench. Yeah, he's just hanging out. And he's taking his sweet time, saying, you know, good luck to everybody and, like, getting hugs. You know, doing Nahuel things, you know, trying to set the tone on how these PKs were going to go. And he was very effective. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's classic. It's classic Argentine goalkeeper behavior that we all, you know. Classic Nahuel. And classic Nahuel, especially. Which then he had his Peter Parker incident and, or... Peter Nahuel Parker uh, uh, near the LAFC supporters group. They were throwing all kinds of things after he saved the first initial PK, if I'm not mistaken. No, it was right before the la- – it was right before Angulo. So, like, he, he saved the – because Tillman, Tillman shot second. That got saved. And then Hollingshead shot the fourth one. Yeah. Or the third one that they had. That got saved. And then – he did, he did the this celebration or this thing towards Elias, the 3252 um and then somebody threw a water bottle well they were throwing lots of All things but of somebody things. threw a water bottle at him and he caught it uh in plain sight which was pretty great and then like 2 seconds later Angulo wins it so yeah which uh now we're getting used to just winning man and 
another cup. You know, people have been, you know, especially, you know, other teams fans on social media and more so on X, Twitter, um, discrediting the, the cup. And, you know, that led, you know, you and I had conversations about it all day as we were, you know, on our phones that, you know, when we were in public transportation on a bus rocking around L.A., um, we would get on our phones and that's what we would see. But tell me, like, what does this mean to you? Because, you know, I want to touch up on the topic because it's been in my head and I couldn't wait to record this and share with you guys my points of views about this. But tell me what, you know, what this means after, you know, especially with people talking shit in the stands yesterday. Uh, LAFC supporters, um, their vibes that they provide at the game were spectacular. Um, very cool. They're into the game. Yeah, very friendly. We were around a lot of friendly people um, last night. You know, there was a couple that they were talking their shit, but that was probably because they've already had too much to drink. Um, but other than that, the people were very nice. And they complimented our team um, as far as, like, the the respect that they had as the game was, you know, being played, as well as, you know, the expectations prior to the start of the game. So what is your opinion on the overall Campeones Cup? And, you know, obviously being there and, you know, now winning it and what it means for the club. Yeah. I think it's lots of things. I think, you know, like I mentioned it, and it's not an original thing. Like, I definitely stole this from somebody. But somebody I saw on the internet, like, I think appropriately put it as, like, this is our region's, like, equivalent of the UEFA Super Cup. So it's not like a – I mean, it's it's not as important as other things, but it's still important. It doesn't, like, get you anywhere. Like, it doesn't get you into CONCACAF Champions League or it doesn't give you anything else. It's just you just get this trophy. But when you think about it from our side, when you think about the young players that we've brought in and have been intentional about, like bringing in Marcelo Flores, bringing in Osiel Herrera, bringing in Lainez, all these guys who are young Mexican talents, uh, you know, having Sebastian, you know, at, at a really good age. And, you know, even the, like the youngsters who are like on the bench, like Fierro and Chuy and Ordonez. Angulo, bro. Yeah. We talked about it yesterday. 25 years yeah. old. Yeah, yeah. Like those guys, like... Them being around and, like, experiencing it, uh, even if they just, like, were just there for the flight. Like, Pisuto, for example. Like, that dude was not even close to being, like, listed on the bench. And, yeah, he was still there. Yeah, you know, guys like that. Um, Whether or not they actually stick around is one thing. But I think for the moment, it's, like, being around all this, like, success. Like, how would you not, like, not want to be a part of it? You know what I mean? Like it's very, like, I'm sure it, like, gets addictive and gets, like, you know, you just too hard to not want, you know? Like, since the end of May, we've had three trophy lifts, you know, which is, like, really cool, um, two in this state, which is kind of funny, um, and then one in uh, Guadalajara. Um, so that, I think that's a big deal because it sets an example and it sets a standard that is already so high and it, like, gives those young young players – the ability to think like, oh, like this is what it's about. Like, let's keep going. Let's try to like, you know, bring our part to this. And it allows them to also with the with what you said is that in those moments or those matches, you know, whether it's like late stages of the season, you know, Concacaf uh, on maybe in an away game or you know in Liguilla 
when maybe you know Gignac's not on fire or Nahuel's not 100, uh, Carioca or Pizarro or even Aquino or you know whoever's playing center back between Reyes and Samir or even Angulo because you know we he's only 25 but he's won a championship at Atlas, championship at Santos, and now at Tigres and multiple cups with Tigres. Um, and now it's getting linked to Italy. Those guys, you know, being around the success could, you know, it allows them to grow and to take over some of these matches when some of these guys might not have it. And so, which there's no reason to believe that, you know, it's going to happen because our guys, for the most part, are very true professionals and they're hungry and always seeking to win. But having those experiences of success does allow these guys to propel themselves to step up in situations when they need to because they've already been in a stage that allows them to uh, succeed right and i think it like translates really well to like the training ground you know hopefully i mean obviously it hasn't really happened yet with some guys but i think for a few of them like marcelo and lina specifically i think that this could help elevate like how they practice how they get ready and how they you know, keep fighting for their spots. I would hope that, like, for guys like Chewy and for Fierro, like, this, like, encourages them to, like, try to make their mark and try to, like, force their way in, you know? Um, maybe not into the 11 the whole time right now, but maybe, you know, more regularly than they have been. So I'm hoping that this kind of, you know, excels on that front and just makes the the competition factor, like, on the training ground, like, really, really high and then translate that over to games that, that really matter in the end, you know, like I'm sure like those young, like a lo- some of those young guys will not have a big part to say in the league year run that we're going to have here pretty soon. But like what happens there, like how they're able to, you know, train, I think will help the veterans and preparing them for, you know, another big round of games coming up here pretty soon, you know? And I think you might be in, a, in for a surprise. I think, you know, like I said, I think Marcelo Flores might be a lot more, uh, ready than we expect yeah no i i think i think he needs to i don't know if he's starter starting 11 ready right now but but i think he's first man off the bench yeah for sure i i really think so depending if everybody's healthy i think he has to look good yesterday again like i said um i've really enjoyed um the fact that a lot of the media personalities um have given credit to Tigres. You know, we watched a few Linea de Cuatro on two the end videos. Uh, we saw people tweeting like Marc Rosas, Russo Samorghini, um, you know, Vladimir Garcia from two the end, Alex de la Rosa. Uh, Some guys here in the U.S. do, like Hercules Gomez, like was tweeting about our team last night. I know Twelman, Taylor Twelman, who's on Apple's coverage of MLS, like he did a pod recapping uh the U.S. Open final and our game last night. I haven't listened to it yet, but I'm excited to hear what he said. CBS did a, a Keith, bit on us last night. Keith, Keith Costigan, I think yeah. that's how you He was the announcer his, last uh, night. He, yeah, he was on the broadcast. He was and, brilliant, by the way. Yeah, and Lou also, you know, tweeted out about it, you know, quoted him that, you know, this team is used to winning trophies. And, you know, we're getting more recognition um, from more media personalities. And that's where, like, my whole reflection being on this trip and, you know, some of the trips that I've been to now with the Leaks Cup or that I went on and just, you know, doing this, you know, podcast and, you know, my passion and love for Tigres, you know, I was telling you, it's like 
I get so frustrated with like how people can be stupid with things and it's right in front of their eyes and like they're so naive to it like the people that are still resisting the fact that Tigres is here to stay and you know they're so caught up in the whole narrative like grande and like you know try the the comparison with Cruz Azul, Pumas, America, Chivas and it's not about that man like you go to Europe, and I'm sure you go to not everybody, but if you ask people across the pond, um, they're not going to recognize Cruz Azul or Pumas over Tigres nowadays because of Gignac, because of the Club World Cup, because these this team is associated with a lot of success and wins and championships and cups. And we're, I, I, to, from my point of view, it's like we shouldn't worry about like trying to get Somebody in a small town in, you know, in Pachuca or, you know, La Ciudad de Mexico or Oaxaca and like to try to get that national recognition in Mexico as a fan base. I think we're beyond that. I think that the brand is at a point where because of all the success we've had since Gignac arrived and just the fact that the winning has also been there and the brand has taken advantage with the people that are leading the club. I think that the move is to globalize the brand, and I think that we've talked about it in so many different ways with Tigres Femenil, with, you know, Tigres, you know, winning, and, you know, they winning, and just, like, the social media accounts now running in English, and, like, the more recognition that we get from the casual fan is what's going to help this brand grow, and we experienced it yesterday when we were at the game. Some of the guys behind us, First time in an LAFC game, right? And maybe one of the guys actually had been there a couple of times, and he was French, which was pretty interesting. And he was like talking, you know, he pointed out Gignac immediately, and he was very high and praising Buanga, Buanga, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, but they kept asking us questions, and like, and even when they weren't um, conversating or conversing with us, um, the the comment that stuck to me is like, they're the best team in Mexico, and. That's the casual fan speaking from across, you know, a, a, you know, in the states from a league that they don't watch, and that's just what they hear, or they see, or whatever they they how they experience that. And I think that's the target, like, and I think that that's what the Campeones Cup and Campeón de Campeones and like the Leagues Cup, any tournament, any cup, any game that Tigres presents itself, it's an obligation now to win, and not necessarily to win that tournament cup match or whatever the case might be it's to help its brand grow because it's the colors are beautiful the logo is beautiful the players are you know just champions and leaders good branding good marketing honestly yeah and like it, it does it, it the work does its own with our fans how passionate we are the story our stadium gets sold out so i think to me it's like we gotta stop as fans and you know I was trolling all day today and yesterday, you know, people. Just, As he does. Yeah, making comments uh, about our Sober, team. by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. Um, anyways, but I think that, you know, we're in a really good place uh, as a club, as a fan base, and I think it's uh, it's awesome to watch everything that Tigres has accomplished and continues to accomplish even in matches like this. Yeah, I, I think you summed that up really well, and I want to touch on this a little more when we stop recording this episode and record the other episode we're about to do in a, in a second. Um, but yeah, I, I, I agree. I think it's all about 
taking advantage of the market that's here, taking advantage of the market that's, you know, even in Europe, I, I think there is some there. I mean, think about people in Germany. Like, people in Germany, like, know about us because we played Bayern Munich in the Club World Cup final three years ago and played them decently well. Um, and Chelsea, you know, there's the Chelsea link now because of me official, like, transferring over from Feminine over to... Uh, Let's not talk about the French connection. Yeah, oh, the French connection. I I think we're going to get some, like, Spain connection, depending on certain players from Feminine who may transfer over to Spain, uh, looking at you. Uh, well, multiple of them, really. But uh, The Netherlands with yeah. uh, the partnership with Fire Nord. Yes, like, that's a big deal, too. Um, and then, you know, the United States. Yeah. The social media. Those are, those are the markets, the, yeah. The Cup. Yeah. So I think we're in a great spot as a as a club. I'm I'm curious to see how things are when uh when we go down to Houston for the friendly Clásico Regio in a couple of weeks and see how how different the vibe is there, like how things are, like what kind of people come to that game in a couple of weeks, even though it'll be a friendly. Yeah, for sure, and we talked about it. The tickets, the resale market, it went up again. And and I think that's because, you know, you think about the Rayados fans who think that they'll get the redemption there. And then you think about everybody wants to see Tigres after winning the Campeones and, you know, also beating them 3-0 in the Clásico Regio. So the team is doing its part by winning and the fans are also doing their part by supporting and being there, you know. And like I said, we had a good good showing of our fans, you know, all the way in L.A., which, you know, we don't really have a big presence there because, obviously, our big presence is in Texas because of the proximity to Monterrey. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm bringing five friends with me to the game, and they are all, like, one of them is, like, pretty decently into soccer. The other four are not. Um, and so I'm very curious. But they know about Tigres because I wear this jersey all the time. I talk to them all the time about Guignac. And so I'm very curious to see, like, the drive home after and the conversations we have, like, after the game and during the game, like, how they perceive things as, you know, as people who are not, like, currently closely associated with the team, but maybe they they do become that later on. So we'll see. I, I, I really do think that there is, if we do things right, if the team handles it right, like, we could become very globally recognized, like, very soon. Yeah, and... Not trying to be a grande in Mexico. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Get get Ovaya to Madrid or Barca, and, and that'll help too. So. Yeah, and I think the last thing about the match that could be a positive as well is the the relationship Gignac had with uh, Buanga. Yeah, sign me up for that because he is he's one of the best players in MLS right now. He's in his prime. I think there is a world. I'm I'm just speculating here. I think there's a world in which he is he may be the Guignac replacement. I don't know if he like is around for like to play with Guignac, but I think he's the replacement. I think he's the one he's the profile. Like he's fast, he's quick, he has success, like I mean he's he's an international player, so he's that I'm sure that's what they want. They want to use a foreign spot on somebody who's really good. I think he could thrive. I really do. And I think he has a, a different sort of like, you know. Skill yeah, set. That we haven't had in our team in a long or time. In the league. Yeah. Even uh, in Mexico. So hopefully something comes out of that. Uh, they were chatting after the game and took some pictures. And yeah. And they did after uh, 
campeón de campeonas a couple months ago too. So work your magic, AJ Andre. Yeah, that'd be great. Um, any last thoughts on the match? Uh, not on last night's match. Shout out LA. This has been cool to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I would definitely come back to a game of that stadium. It was it was really fun. Yeah. Um, other than that, I mean, guys, thanks for uh, making us go viral for a little bit there. I, we saw, <laughs> you know, all yes. the videos and uh, photos that we received from being at the game. Yeah, we were of- watching the Apple TV replay on my phone earlier on the bus, like looking at where they found shots of us. And th- that was pretty funny, like seeing us on video. Yeah, it was very cool to to witness all that, the yeah. celebration, the vibes, and, uh, you know, the people staying after the game. Yeah, shout out Lou. Yeah. Shout out Lou. Lou, definitely. Thanks for making us go viral, Lou. Yeah. <laughs> we'll remember you guys. We're, we're, we're not going to be, like, <laughs> weird about it like other famous people are. <laughs> you want to talk about Saturday real quick? Yeah. Let's get that out of the way. Saturday, Mazapan. Play the kids. Play the children. That's what I want. I don't want to see... The I don't want to see the vets. I want to see Cello. I want to see if OCL can play. I would love to see him back. I want to see Chewy. I want to see Ordones. I want to see Fierro. Like, bring them all out. Like, give these guys because like to play like two really high intensity matches, like in the span of like four or five days. You know, for the travel. Yeah, and and the travel obviously. Like they're still in LA. Like we thought they left today. Yeah, it's Thursday today, by the way, guys, and they're still in LA. Um, we kind of like put it together that you know they probably had an easy morning, probably some stretching, some activity. Yeah. And then they did a cardio. Yeah, and they're not too far from where we are either. They're like a couple miles away. So. Yeah, and most likely they'll travel back tomorrow, as in Friday, to Mazatlan. They'll probably get an afternoon session. Uh, practice and then Saturday get ready for the game. Yeah, yeah. Play the kids. Play the kids. I don't. I'm not. I don't really care about what happens. Like, if we win, great. If we draw, if we lose, I. I don't think it's that big of a deal because I don't think the seating really matters at the end of the day. Like, especially with the format change, I think that you yeah. Know, it, I mean, it matters, but you know, for the whole. Just as long as we're not, you know, top. Uh, as long as we're not eight, nine, ten, or eleven, I think. I was gonna say it matters for the home field aspect, but then I just quickly realized in my head, like most of our championships come on the road. Yeah, we've only won one. Twenty sixteen. Yeah, twenty sixteen. Twenty eleven. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. That's crazy. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I think the kids should get some playing time. I'd like to see Marcelo Flores get a lot more playing time. Um, even get the center back position partnership of like Samir and Reyes, maybe roll with yeah, them. Yeah, yeah. And give Pizarro a break. Yeah, yeah. I like. I think Carioca needs a break. Um, I, th- I honestly, I like to see Vanez just see what happens, and if it doesn't work out, you bring Iñaki in at halftime or like fifty fifth, sixtieth minute, and whatever. Yeah, it's interesting how we perceive that and like would like for that to happen, but I think that. <laughs> That's not going to happen. Yeah, I don't think so either. Because yeah. Siboli's about winning and the guys are about winning. Yeah. So I think that, and Gignac especially is not going to yeah. sit. Uh, but, I mean, I don't have many expectations of that game. I think that, you know, if if our starting 11 play, we'll win the game. But I actually am with you. I don't really care for it. I think it's a good game that you, not necessarily toss, but you can more worry about the the play style and the system with maybe some adjustments maybe giving some guys a break 
than the actual result. Yeah, I, I think squad rotation is important now, especially like thinking about later on in the year. I think we still have some tough games. Like we still have to play America at some point uh, this year. Have we played San Luis yet? Uh-uh. No, I mean, that's going to be a tough game. I mean, they're top of the league right now. Yeah. So that's going to be, you know, a difficult... I think we haven't played Chivas yet in the league. Like, No, that's actually going to be our uh, Houston watch party for um, okay, yeah. our gathering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For... Uh, Is that October? October 28th. Okay, yeah. Yeah, we're still uh, hashing out some of the details between uh, our group and Houston, and uh, we're looking for a family-friendly uh, place where, you know... The one that we had this past uh, season, we did it at Little Woodrow's down in Houston. And, uh, you know, it's 21 and up, so a lot of people couldn't take their kids or, you know, family members couldn't come because they had babysit kids. So now, you know, we're, we have a spot in mind already that is willing to work with us. We're just trying to find somewhere more centrally located in the city so we have more attendance. And uh, hopefully we get some people out. Um, October the 28th, there will be a flyer going out, but... You know, probably get that going here in the next week and finalize that. And there may be one in Dallas, like, right after that. So, DFW people, keep your eyes peeled. We're working on that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think that's it, man. I think yeah, that's, that covers it all. Yeah, I think so. Your, uh, your hat's pretty cool. Uh, if you're oh, watching yeah. the video, uh, my man's repping his business. Uh, so, if, if you ever see this guy in Houston or if he's ever selling tacos somewhere, get a hat. I'm getting a hat in two weeks in Houston, <laughs> so... Yeah, well, thanks for listening, guys, all the way from uh, Los Angeles, California, where we have now, you pointed out, to end there real quick, we have won how many championships in L.A.? This year or? In general. In in general, six. And that is? Interliga, no six, four campeones de campeones, and last night. So. California is a good state for uh, Tigres. And tacos. Yeah, I've had a lot of tacos. We had, we had some good trompo tacos just now. So, But uh, I think that's it. Like I said, thanks for listening. Follow us on social media, La U Times. Follow my boy Dennis. What's your personal Twitter? Oh, uh, my personal everything is at Dennis Garvin Jr. Bling. Yeah, and uh, hopefully, like I said, give us your feedback. You know, if you want to hop on the pod in the future, the invitation is always open. We'd love to hear the story of how you became a fan if you want to share it with everybody on this space. And, yeah, peace out. Be sure to uh, check out my podcast because this guy is about to appear on an episode. So check that out coming out around the same time as this one. So, see ya.